todo el mundo. Welcome to the Rock and Roll Nightmares podcast. I'm your host, Stacey Lane Wilson, author of the Rock and Roll Nightmares book series and director of the documentary The Ventures, Stars on Guitars. This is your destination for all things rock, where the interviewees include musicians, authors, historians, filmmakers, and more. And now, on to the show. Down by As I Am a Noise is a new documentary biopic directed by Mary Navosky, Maeve O'Boyle, and Karen O'Connor. The three filmmakers are joining me on this episode of the Rock and Roll Nightmares podcast to talk about how they put together this non-traditional look at the famous folk singer, songwriter, and musicians. I Am a Noise follows Joan Baez on her farewell tour and delves into her personal archives, including never-before-seen home movies, diaries, artwork, and even her therapy tapes recorded in the 1980s, which uncover a disturbing past. The film explores her lifelong emotional struggles, her civil rights work with Martin Luther King Jr., and her romance with Bob Dylan. I can't wait to find out more, so let me welcome Mary, Maeve, and Karen right now. Hey, and welcome to the show. Um, for those listening, would you please introduce yourself so we'll know who's talking? Um, I'm Mavo Boyle, one of the directors. Mary Navasky, another director. And Karen O'Connor. Hi. Um, so having three directors on one project seems a little unusual. So um, what were each of your roles? Well, Karen and I have worked for many years together uh, as, as a, a team of documentary filmmakers. Um, Maeve actually edited our, our last film, so the three of us kind of have a history together. Um, and this project was massive. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> a lot of different elements to it. Um, uh, Karen has a long friendship with Joan, so you want to talk about that, Karen? Yeah, I mean, the roles were, were, it was all collaborative. I had known Joan for over 30 years, so it kind of, there's a level of trust that came from that. So I did, a, you know, most of the interviews in the film so that it, so that we could, you know, have a, have a certain quality of intimacy to the, to the interviews, um, more like a couple of friends talking, ideally. 
Nave is an editor, so has an editor's eye. Um, Mary did a huge amount of heavy lifting on the archive. We all, all it was all, as I said, collaborative, but as Mary said, this is a massive, massive project. So, and it was just a, really us for most of the film, a very small team. We don't have a big company. And so um, we all just did everything from, you know, PA work to directing. <laughs> so, um, Wow. Yeah, I like you say, it is a massive undertaking. I watched the documentary and I learned so much about Joan Baez. Um, for instance, I didn't know about her lifelong struggles with anxiety and depression. And, you know, I guess we don't think of people who choose to perform and be in the spotlight as suffering from those issues. So the personal side of her life is a big part of the film. And I'd love to know why you took that direction instead of that of a traditional music documentary. Well, I think because of the friendship with Joan and because of our uh, interest in making, uh, if we were going to do this, making a film that wasn't in some way a typical celebrity biopic, that we had an opportunity to do something different from that. And so we, from the beginning, thought it, we described it in our minds as a kind of visual memoir. This would be Joan's personal, intimate, immersive view of her life as she experienced it. It wouldn't be talking heads talking about her being, you know, famous. It would, it's a, it's Joan's story. It's a larger family story. It's a, it's a public life and a private life. And if we were, and if she was ready to do it at this point in her life, we, we wanted it to be something other than the kind of carefully controlled, curated and presented story and do something that was much kind of more raw and immediate. And for us, that was ex challenging, but as sort of exciting as filmmakers, how how to do that and if we could do it. Yeah, well, how did you initially meet her, Karen? Uh, I met her in 1986 doing a little PBS interview, a little, just a little thing that um, sort of we hit it off and I became friends with her and her family and her team and then stayed good friends for over time. I think it's such a huge part of who she is. Uh, she's a woman that has always been... Um, searching for herself in some ways and uh whether it's politically or personally or emotionally and i don't really think we could have done an honest film about her without kind of diving into that piece of her life she's thoughtful she's you know introspective you can see in the letters she's from when she's young she's struggling to figure out who she is and who she wants to be you can see in her childhood uh, what I believe uh, the, the little piece of writing she did when she was 13 that she's figuring out her politics and what's important to her and uh, race and you know uh, big big things and small things and so I don't actually think we could have done a, 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 a real true biographical look at her without taking it off. Well, I want to get to the editing of this a little bit. Yes, I think there was um, um, a somewhat organic, uh, you know, working our way through the material um, as we went. We actually initially in terms of the source material, we put it together um, without actually like interweaving it with Joan's uh, like narration or VO, if you like, or her interview 
to see if we could carry the story um, from an archive perspective and see how much, like the source archive meaning, um, and see if we could make it work. And it was actually a really interesting kind of early stage of the development of that personal strand in the film. Um, and ultimately we interwove it with, with Joan's voice, but it was just a way to kind of figure out whether what we had in terms of those arcs. Mary did an incredible job in terms of like organizing the archival so that we had all of her artwork organized in, in long giant strands. The, um, the you know, the audio tapes were all done, you know, according to years and time and so on and so forth. Her journeying across the country on tour and so on and so forth, her political activism. And so everything was organized in that kind of way. So we were kind of always working with those kinds of tools in the box, if you like. And then we had the contemporary strand also as a, initially we, we, we put that together as a strand as a long giant strand to see what what parts of the different parts of the, of the concert like rose and fell in terms of like what we wanted to use so there was kind of like an excavation level to yeah. this that went on for quite a significant time to figure out um what we had and how we wanted to interweave and you know we knew we, we always knew that we wanted to interweave these these two elements um, but we wanted to, you know, the past and the present, but we wanted to do it in a really immersive way in terms of the past. Like we wanted the past to be incredibly immersive so that you felt like you were with her at the time that she was experiencing it. And then and then kind of go forward seamlessly, like a dreamlike was the idea. Visual memoir was the kind of thing that we were going for and trying to seamlessly transition back over into the present. So there was this kind of, yeah, constant dialogue between the past and present. And that was something that we were, always experimenting with. I mean, it was an experiment, wasn't it? In terms of like trying to figure out whether that was kind of um, would work, but that's kind of what we were striving for in terms of, you know, uh, examining the arc of the film, if you like, you know, the narrative arc. And I think it's one of those things that is surprising with a celebrity doc. I mean, I think in its own way, that's what it's commenting on. Mm -hmm. Every figure has a private life, whether they want to actually open it up as another you know question and some do and don't but I think I think that in itself I mean Joan talks about it she in the film she appeared to be this way on the outside and then the reality was this was going on now that's probably true for all of us to some degree in our lives but on that big public scale it seemed as Mary said if Joan was going to do this film at this point in her life um, it had to be a journey inside her mind as well in terms of the light and the dark. So she, her life has been this. She's she's dealt with this duality always of being kind of funny and charming and very practical and and um, and then dealing with these kind of this internal struggle and turmoil for all of her life. So to do a story about Joan Baez without doing that wouldn't have been not only true, but there was no point at this point in her life to do that, I think. But just add to that as well, like there were there were incredible little moments in the early part of her life that would resonate in the later parts of her life, as Mary was saying, kind of, um, you know, what I believe resonates all the way through her socially conscious stuff and basically her political activism or her, you know, her, her social justice strand or all these, and then also her psychological stuff was beginning at, at age eight. So these strands, we were always looking for clues in the early part of the story that could resonate later, you know, and, and, and tell these different arcs. So that was part of the excavation of the source material too. Yes, and her love life. The only thing she seemed a little coy on to me was to talk about her romance with Bob Dylan. And I'm wondering like, what, how much say did Joan have herself over the final cut of the film 
uh, one, she had no final cut at all. Okay. She, um, it's funny. I don't see her as coy. I'm not sure what I think it's the opposite, but <laughs> I mean, she talks about him breaking her heart. She talks about him kind of her demoralized. I'm just curious what, what felt coy. Yeah, I just, I had made a note to that when I was watching the film. She kind of started to say something and then decided not to. Although, yes, the, the story is covered, um, particularly their um, performances together. And their, I think it was like, what, a four or five year long collaboration and friendship that was really strong. Um, and so, yeah, I was just curious to know, like, was there any point where she said, oh, don't use this, or maybe I changed my mind about saying that was there any of that in the making of the film no not no no there wasn't I mean maybe I think the no I think the um no I can't think of any off limits um I think the psychiatric tapes obviously we wanted to be you know careful and figure out what to use on those that she her her therapy tapes I mean but no there weren't I can't think of anything where she said that's off limits. And she, she didn't, to answer your other question, she didn't have final cut. So um, Mary May, were there anything? Yeah, I mean, she had things that I, I, I wouldn't say she said off limits, but at the beginning, it took a while. So her voice lesson being one of them, oddly, Karen and I were not expecting it at all. Oh, wow. Uh, she, she, didn't, she didn't want us to film a voice lesson because she didn't like the way her voice sounded. She didn't like the way she, you know, she looked. I don't know, even know exactly what it was, but things, the, the vulnerability, I think, things like that, that took time. But uh, ultimately she said, okay, on them. So there was, uh, there were times during concerts, pre-concert where she needed some time alone. Um, and at, she eventually agreed, yes, you can come in with that. So she she basically, I think some things took more time than others, but I didn't feel like things were off limits. Part of it was getting used to our kind of filming. I mean, it's very, it's fly on the wall. It's really with her. It's not just a single interview where we moved in and out. You know, we were with her and it would yeah. be- it would be tiring and annoying sometimes and whatever, but in terms of your larger question, no, she didn't, she didn't stop us from there, uh, you know, uh, dipping, delving into areas of her life. So, but Mary's right. There were times where she just got annoyed and tired. <laughs> yeah, that's understandable. How long was the shoot overall? I mean, cause you follow her on her farewell tour, right? It started in 2017. Wow stops and starts and then the pandemic I mean our principal shooting with her on the tour was over the course of the year but then there was you know lots of filming in between so yeah it was a, it was a long time in the making it was on and off for many years really well I'm wondering what was the expectation when you came on to this project and decided to do it and presented it to her and she agreed um kind of versus your opinion or the reality when all was said and done so different for me I think that would mainly be yeah Mary and Maeve because Karen's known her for so long yeah I think I think we had different maybe different experiences of it I don't know Maeve I when we first started first of all we thought we were going to do a much 
more verite-driven film, following her on a final tour, looking at aging and how you decide when to stop and uh, really had no intention of doing any kind of biographical anything, um, or at least that was in my head. <laughs> <laughs> I think once we uh, opened the, the, she gave us access to her storage unit and everything started to kind of come alive in a different way, we realized that there was a much bigger, deeper film that we wanted to do. Um, and so I had, A, I did not know that it was going to take so long and B, I did not know how massive it was gonna be. It was really, the biggest film that I have ever done in terms of the amount of material and the, the um, it was a, a really hard, complicated film to make. Um, and so that, that, was, that was not what I was expecting. And her life wasn't really what I was expecting. Um, I, 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 I loved that it went through history and, psychological issues and family issues and sister and it had so many elements to it uh, that I, I wouldn't have known we were going to do that. I don't I don't think I, I knew either that we were doing that and, and what was really interesting about the process was that we were kind of unraveling it as we went it, you know we were finding new pieces all the time new new little pieces of audio recording that we wanted to add or so it was kind of like you know painting a picture kind of filling in the colors like you know adding new layers to it I also so yes the, I, I think the archive and the the richness of the source archive like shifted the film in a way that I don't think I expected it to be certainly um I also feel the in incredible honesty um about the relationship between Joan and Karen added a whole layer to the film that I, 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 you know, was really unique. And I didn't, you know, initially, you know, I didn't know what that was going to be because, you know, we, we hadn't seen much of the actual footage of the conversations. And I th thought that she was just so honest. She was so candid and honest about all these different elements in her life. And I thought that was, I just didn't know it was going to be as, she was going to be as honest, honestly. And I just think that, that spoke to the friendship and the trust. And so that gave it a whole depth that you know I, I you know I didn't know it was going to be like that I suppose ultimately and it, and it really was and so that was a really special layer to the whole film as well for me yeah it and, really is one of the deepest yeah. dives uh into an artist's life that I've seen in quite a while so kudos on that and I'm kind of wondering from each of you this is the last question um what do you each hope will be the takeaway for viewers of I Am A Noise I'm impressed by Joan, 82 years old, being as kind of cre still fiercely creative and committed as she is. I think there's something kind of remarkable about seeing her still vital, active, involved in the world. She was in Ukraine last month. Um, she's painting. She's um, still fine. She's writing. She's has a new she has a new book of art drawings that came out you know, months ago, she's working on a new poetry collection. She's still continuing in every way to express herself, um, both as a citizen and as an artist. And, um, and I think there's something really inspiring about that. And I think uh, as an aging woman myself, there's something really impressive about 
allowing people to see who she is at 82, both physically and vocally and all of it, and kind of leaning into that, as Mary said, and um, letting us see this is who I am now. And after going through many struggles, um, I'm inspired by her kind of confidence and her um, certainty of kind of who she is now. Karen has covered everything I was going to say. I don't know what, I'm not sure what to add to that. She covered every aspect. So be beautifully said. I just completely agree. I think it's very inspirational to watch Joan journey through her, her life and come, come out the other side and feel whole. And I think, I think it's an extraordinarily honest journey. And so I hope people, people feel that and it resonates with them. I also love about her her how she finds her creativity in everything so as karen said she's she might not be singing now but she's putting it into other things whether it's art or you know different kinds of music or writing or uh she just has has managed to keep keep pushing herself and find outlets to put out into the world. I, I love that. Yes. Well, uh, Mary, Maeve, and Karen, thank you for your creativity and determination in bringing this beautiful film to music lovers. I really appreciate it uh, from my own standpoint, and best of luck with the film. Thanks, Stacey. Thank you so much. This concludes another episode of the Rock and Roll Nightmares podcast. Remember, there's a book series too. All the books are available in paperback, ebook, and audio via Amazon or the Rock and Roll Nightmares website. That's R O C K N R O L L Nightmares.com. Our official theme song is She's Out for Blood by Fuzzbuster, founded by Lars Cabot. Thank you for listening. <laughs>